You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. And everybody, welcome to Rico Bronia. <laughs> We're terrible. We're an awful, awful, awful baseball team. As the New York Mets get swept by the Kansas City Royals, we'll talk a little bit about these games. We'll also listen and then analyze every single thing Steve Cohen said uh, when he met the media and really spoke to us as fans about the plan moving forward. As far as this series is concerned, obviously they opened it up an hour or so, two hours or so after the trade deadline passed. So Tuesday night's game was watched in a cloud. We talked about it briefly on our last Rico, how frustrating that game was, losing on a walk-off balk in which Jordan Walker never threw a pitch. Or Josh Walker, not Jordan Walker. I wish it was Jordan Walker. Josh Walker gets on the mound, has a pitch comm issue, tries to call timeout. Oh, no, a balk. You lose in a game in which the Mets blew multiple leads. Well, the Mets would do us a favor. In game two and three of this series, they would just take us out back, shoot us, and put us out of our misery. Because the Mets in game two and in game three of this series, let's just face it, was absolutely non-competitive. Absolutely non-competitive. And I love Kodai Senga. Kodai Senga's had a very good rookie season. Kodai Senga's name's been mentioned a lot over the last couple of days because upon trading Verlander and upon trading Scherzer, Kodai Senge is like the last outlaw. He's the one guy you look at going into 2024, along with Quintana, but you look at Senga and say, hey, that's the rotation. That's the guy. We're going to build around Kodai Senga. And no offense to Kodai, but when he takes the mound in game two of this series and he promptly throws 150 pitches in the first inning and he promptly has issues with his cleats because there's a lot of dirt in it, and gives you just a really laborious, I don't even want to say bad outing, because it's not like he got knocked out in the second inning and gave up seven runs, but just a very mediocre outing. No offense to Kodai, but it was not the start you wanted to see in the Kodai Senga is the ace era of New York Mets baseball. That's the way I would look at it. And he puts them in a hole early. They're down 3 nothing, And then you have a lineup that great Jeff McNeil's leading off. Okay, fine. Francisco Alvarez is batting second. Super. Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, even Vientos and Beatty. Fine. Great. Okay. You've got a 7, 8, and 9 of this batting order of three guys who coming into the spring training this year, you would have said, I don't even want these guys in a spring training lineup. You've got Jonathan Aruz, who I completely forgot existed. I have to admit, I... I'd heard of him. He's bounced around the majors and he was in, I think I would see his numbers every time 
I'd go to the baseball reference praise and check out how Ronnie Mauricio's doing. Every time I'd go to the minor league app and check out on the AAA Syracuse Mets, I'd see a ruse. And I'd say, oh, yeah, that guy's on our team. Well, all of a sudden, he's on the major league roster playing second base. Rafael Ortega, who had started the opener of this series as well, a guy who the Yankees signed in the offseason thinking maybe he's the elixir for left field for them. He's playing in the outfield with Brandon Nimmo now hurt. And then Danny Mendick. So the Mets presented us a 7-8-9 of three guys who we never mentioned in spring training. Like they were around, but we would never mention them. Not Ortega. He wasn't around. But the other two were. And I know it doesn't mean anything. I know the season is over and they're giving up and all that. But still, it was painful. <laughs> the The second game of this series was the reality check of, okay, this is going to be bad to watch. That's what that game was. They had a million opportunities to score against Cole Reagans and the Royals bullpen. They loaded the bases up at the end of the game with Jeff McNeil. And it was just, it was pathetic. They got shut out by Cole Reagans and the Kansas City Royals. They featured guys in the lineup that have no shot of being here in the future. I don't mean to pick on random veteran journeymen, but when I think back to former bad Met teams, I think of some of those names of guys we were forced to watch that even in the moment you knew were not going to be a part of the fix. Like uh, Nori Aoki. Remember Nori Aoki? The outfielder played for the Royals, played for the Brewers. When Nori Aoki was getting at bats about four or five years ago, what was so depressing about it was this guy's not going to be here when things turn around. And that's Ortega and Aruz and Mendick. They're not going to be here next year or the year after. And I know it goes back to the complaint we're all going to have when we open up the emails later in the pod. Most of the complaints right now are going to be about where's Ronnie Mauricio. And here's the thing. You could pick apart what Ronnie Mauricio has done at AAA. You could tell me, well, maybe Ronnie Mauricio is not ready. He's not ready for the major leagues based on a defensive standpoint, or he's not ready for the major leagues based on being overwhelmed by major league pitching. And you may be right. Like I'm not claiming to know if Ronnie Mauricio is ready. But when you are now playing out the string, which the Mets are now doing, we'd all rather see the young player get opportunities as opposed to the veteran who have, has no chance to be around. When Brett Beatty made that error in the opening game of this series, an error that cost them the game, as frustrating as it was, not one of us said, well, I can't play Brett Beatty a third anymore. Like we're willing to watch the bad of the young player develop. We are willing to kind of learn about Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos and Ronnie Mauricio. None of us are willing to watch Rafael Ortega go over three. None of us want to see that. So game two of this series was just a block on a game. They had nine hits. They couldn't score a run. They got shut out for nothing. Sango was very mediocre. I don't really want to put anything on him here. It's not his fault that he is now looked upon as the one shining hope in this Met rotation. It just wasn't great timing. Like the great timing would have been for Kodai Sanga to pitch seven scoreless innings upon being bestowed the new ace of the New York Mets, not to go out and not be able to get through six and give up three runs to the Kansas City Royals. As far as the finale of this series is concerned, thank God I was on the air with Tiki talking about everything else but the Mets. Like, thank God we were talking about Aaron Rodgers 
and the Yankees situation and everything but that game. Because every time I would glance up, and I would glance up because, hey, I'm a Met fan, one nothing, 3 nothing, 3 nothing, 6 nothing, 9 nothing. Danny Mendick is pitching. Lindor is hitting a meaningless home run. And the Mets got their, I mean, really, they got blown out. I don't care if it was 3 nothing through 6. That was a non-competitive game. The Met offense, it's the Met offense, which is funny because even though we can complain about the guys sitting towards the bottom of the order, you still have a lot of regulars in the lineup. They didn't trade all their offensive weapons. Jeff McNeil is there. Lindor is there. Alonzo's there. Beatty's there. But it was a putrid effort by this offense. They got the meaningless home run by Lindor late. Carlos Carrasco, you know, here's the one positive about the Mets being, you know, roadkill for the rest of the season. Complaining about Carlos Carrasco is meaningless. It just is. Like I, I could sit here and talk about how much he sucks. Does it does it matter? He's not going to be on the team next year. He's pitching every five days because they actually need breathing humans to start games every five days. So he's going to pitch. I mean, as much as I don't want to see a ruse or DJ Stewart or Danny Mendick or any of these guys that won't be here next year, yeah, Carrasco fits that, but they have so few pitching options that if you DFA'd Carrasco and you said, all right, I'm done watching him, which I'm not opposed to, but I'm just telling you, if you do that, who the hell's making the starts? <laughs> I guess it's Luke Casey. Because right now it looks like David Peterson's in the rotation. Tyler McGill's in the rotation. So, yeah, I guess it's Luke Casey or you're rushing up Mike Vassell. But it's not as if they have a lot of other options. So we're subjugated to watching Carlos Carrasco every five days. Yeah, but Ev, you know, you, you made the point about the same thing. It's like, you're right. We have zero in the minors. But those zero in the minors, I prefer to see than Carlos Carrasco. Like, I need to see if there's somebody that we have that could be some sort of living, breathing body that's in the minors that could be producing in the major league level. You know what, though, the difference is? Because I don't want to come across like a hypocrite in terms of, hey, call Mauricio up, no big deal, but don't call up the pitching. Don't call up Vassal. Don't call up Stewart. Don't call up Scott. I think that they're young pitching is so much further away from making major league starts than a Ronnie Mauricio getting major league at-bats that if they called up Mike Vassell or Christian Scott or Tyler Stewart or Dominic Hamill, it would be rushing them. And that may not be good for their development. Yeah, but like Joey Lucchese, like you said, like the guy, does he suck? I I don't, I have no idea. We have no idea what he has left in the tank. And is he going to be an option for next year? If he is, Let's see what he really could do. You know what I mean? Like we talk about McGill. We talk about Peterson. Listen, it is what it is. They, they, we, they, those are the guys that are going to see innings. Bring them up. And here's the other thing, too. I have a question for you. And yeah. is, is this something that is strategic? Because we know how Buck does love the veterans. Is it something like they're giving these veterans one last shot in in uh, August, excuse me, to like see if they have anything that they could prove and – raise their value so they could sign with the team next year and not just dump them now? No, I, I don't think so. I'm pure guess. I don't think they're trying to do any favors. I think it's just the lack of options. I think it's the lack of, you know, who else is going to play? 
You know, even if Mauricio is called up tomorrow, and he should be, and we could scream about that for every Rico for the rest of the season, there is still going to be at-bats going to these veterans who have no chance to be on the team next year. Like, there's still going to be those slots. Now, once Marte is back and Nimmo is back, that certainly takes away a few of the at-bats. But I think you're also going to be much more cautious with injuries over the next two months of the season. Uh, If the Mets were 10 games above 500, is Brandon Nimmo playing some of these games in Kansas City? Maybe he is. I don't know. But I kind of lean towards they're going to be extra cautious, especially with core guys, if they're dealing with any injury. I also wouldn't be surprised in the case of Luke Casey if the Mets end up with a six-man rotation. If they end up saying, well, who's in? think about who's in the rotation. The guys that are going to be here next year. Kodai Senga, they were always worried about his workload. They were always worried about that's eh, an adjustment, new baseball, pitching on regular rest, even though he's barely done it. I could see the Mets over the final month and a half saying, we want to make sure we give Senga an extra day. And let's get an extra guy in the rotation. Like you're not right. There's no ace that needs to pitch every five days, obviously. I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at that. I had thought, and I had said this on the Rico, uh, maybe the last one or the one before that. I, there's a part of me that just wanted to see Peterson out of the bullpen. Not because he's relegated to that, but because I just want to see if next year, maybe that's his long-term plan. And maybe that's where the Mets get their benefit most out of David Peterson. But they've moved away from that immediately. You know, upon these trades, they quickly announced he's re-entering the rotation. He's starting the opener of the series against the Orioles in Baltimore, a game I'll be at, which shows how sick I am. But I am excited. You know, seeing the Mets on the road, no matter how bad they are, it doesn't matter. Most of the time when I've seen the Mets on the road over the years, it's been in bad seasons. You know, because most seasons are bad. Think about that. Think about it. Play this game in your head. Think about every season you've watched the Mets and remembered the Mets. Most of those seasons are bad. I went through this last time. Since their 15-16 run, we'll call it. Getting to the World Series in 15, losing the wild card game in 16. So from 2017 on, play the good-bad game on the season. 17 bad. 18 bad. 19, eh, okay. Sort of a pennant race. 2020, bad. 2021, bad. 2022, amazing. 2023, bad. Like, the bad outrates the good most of the... We don't get good years over and over again. No. Hopefully we get that someday, but that hasn't happened in our history. No, and, and Ev, this is the thing about the history in general. Like, we average making the playoffs once every six, seven years. That sucks. That's terrible. That's yes. brutal. We've yes. made back-to-back playoffs twice in our career, and like one of them doesn't really count because it was a, a wild card game. I don't even count that. I agree. And, and the more I think back to last year, I barely count last year. I know the wild card series is a playoff series. It doesn't even feel like a real one. So the last time the Mets were in a real series, like a real one, is 2015 when they're losing the World Series. And since we're on this, I was thinking about this the other day. They lose two out of three to San Diego at City Field in the playoffs. They lose the wild card game in 16 to the Giants, and they lose their last two World Series games to Kansas City. You know what that means? It means they're one in five in their last six postseason games at City Field. <laughs> I don't know why that depresses me. 
and, it and, does. and 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 if you really want to go back to in 2006 i mean it wasn't it wasn't city but they still in a clinching game i don't know why, why i have to go back to that but like again like they lost they lose every when they lose they lose at home yeah oh actually you want to go back even further so let's go to the last two games of the 2000 subway world series right they lose game four. They lose game five, 0-2 at home. Now we go to 06. They win the two games against the Dodgers. Great. But then they go 2-2 two and two against the Cardinals at home, with game seven being the one you're talking about. And the other big one was losing game two, the Scott Spezio game. So 2-2, two and 4-2, two, four and 4-4 two, four and four in their last eight postseason games at Shea Stadium. Now we go to City Field. We jump all the way up to 2015. They go one and one against the Dodgers. They go two and zero against the Cubs. They go one and two against the Royals. They go zero and one against the Giants. One and two against the Padres. I haven't added it all up, but it's under five hundred. Is my point? We lose a lot of home playoff games. I I think we need to move. (laughs) (laughs) Go to a different park. (laughs) Yeah, that's clearly it. It's the park. It's not just a crappy franchise that we all root for. Uh, honestly, I don't want to spend any more time on this series. It, it was, it was ugly. It was bad. It's probably going to get worse. They got swept by the Kansas City Royals. Just let that sink in. A team who, up until recently, I know they've got a six-game winning streak now, but up until recently, they were putting up numbers side by side with Oakland. That's how bad they were. And the Mets, even after these trades, managed to get swept by them. They're going to play the Orioles. It's going to get ugly. One quick thing, and then we're going to get to Steve Cohen. We're going to listen together. This is going to be a fun game. We're going to listen together to everything Steve said the other day. We're going to pause it, and we're going to analyze everything he said and how we interpreted what he said. So we'll spend a lot of time on that. But before we get there, before we get to the Steve Cohen uh, conversation, There is one thing that's very, very, very important. And a caller brought this up on the air to me the other day. I wanted to fact check it because it is a new CBA. I don't know it like the back of my hand. And I also never expected the Mets to be in this situation. But there is something very, very important in the CBA that we all need to at least discuss real quick because the Mets may be better off losing. And that's not something I've ever been comfortable with. I haven't been comfortable with the Jets losing and rooting for it the Nets losing and being comfortable with it. Like, I always want my team to win. Even in the NBA, where tanking is certainly a lot more common. Like, when the Nets lost 70 games that one year, the John Wall year, I never rooted for them to lose. When the Jets were tanking for Trevor Lawrence, as much as it would have benefited them to have lost every single game, I can see that with clarity today, I never sat there on a football Sunday rooting for my team to lose. It is not in my DNA. It's not in my blood. Doesn't make me smart, though. Actually makes me pretty stupid. So here's where the Mets are. Because they're in the luxury tax threshold, the Steve Cohen tax, as it's called, and that number was $230 million, and obviously they eclipsed that by a lot. Uh, That was one tier, but they eclipsed every single tier. In the CBA, it writes, a club that exceeds the competitive balance tax threshold is subject to an increasing tax rate depending on how many consecutive years it has done so. Obviously, the Mets are going to do it, I think, every single year. 
When you do it the first year, it's a 20% tackle on overages. When you do it for a second straight year, it's 30%. If you do it for a third year and more, it's 50%. So obviously a very, very high tax bill. If a club dips below the luxury tax threshold for a season, the penalty level is reset. So it does reward you for going back down under the threshold. If you are $40 million or more above the threshold, which the Mets are, you're subjugated to this. The highest selection in your draft pick the following year is moved back 10 slots. Now, we pretty much all knew that. I've mentioned it before casually that part of the negative to spending as much as the Mets have is wherever they're picking in the draft, it goes back 10 slots. But there's a caveat. Moving back 10 slots, unless your pick falls in the top six. In that case, the team will have its second highest selection moved back 10 picks instead. So here's what this means for the New York Mets right now. What it means is that because they're in that tax, their first round pick for next year, based off of this year's results, would move back 10 slots unless they're in the bottom six. So the Mets would benefit from being a bottom six baseball team. Now, where is the bottom six? Because most of us don't pay attention to reverse standings. We just know where we are in the standings. The team with the worst record is the Oakland A's. That's a lock. The team with the second worst record is Kansas City. That's a lock. Three and four would be Colorado and Chicago, both sitting at 66 losses. Then you have Washington. Then you have St. Louis. They represent the St. Louis Cardinals, that bottom sixth team. So if you just say, hey, Mets are not falling behind Oakland, Kansas City, Colorado, Chicago, Washington, they would have to fall below three teams that are underneath them right now. Pittsburgh, Detroit, and St. Louis. Right now, the Mets are sitting at 58 losses. They are 50 and 58. If you look at those other teams I just mentioned and say, okay, well, where are they? The St. Louis Cardinals are 48 and 62. The Pirates are 48 and 60. And the Detroit Tigers are sitting at 48 and 60. The Mets are at 50 and 58. The Mets are not that far off from falling into the bottom six. Will they fall into the bottom six? I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it depends on, hey, are the Pirates going to get relatively hot? Or are the Cardinals going to get relatively hot? But right now, there's only a three-game difference. The Mets have a three-game lead over St. Louis. But they would have to drop below those three teams. And if they did, they're picking sixth in the MLB draft next year. If they don't, they're picking 17th, 18th, or 19th. That is significant. So I understand the Met fan who either knew this information or is hearing it now from my voice saying, hey, guys, we're better off losing. I get it. You're right. Does that mean I'm going to sit there in August rooting against them? No, probably not. Definitely not. I think the only time I've ever been closer as a fan, and it's up to everybody listening on how you want to handle this, is when we get to that final game of the year. Like, you're telling me it's the final game of the year, and if the Mets lose, they're picking sixth. But if they win, they're picking 17th. I understand. You know what I mean? Like, okay, fine. So the other day on the air, 
Tiki made a comment that I just thought he was just saying. I didn't think he had any knowledge behind it. He said, I think the Mets are tanking. And I said, well, what, what the hell are they tanking for? Now, unless Tiki knew that CBA and didn't tell me, which is, I guess, possible, <laughs> he's right. There is a benefit to tanking right now. I don't think Buck Showalter is putting a lineup together thinking that way, but I do think that the Met front office and Steve Cohen certainly know the rule and certainly think, hey, if we're not making the playoffs, we'd rather lose and get the sixth overall pick than win a couple of games and pick 18th. Yeah, this is basically Major League, the movie. Put together a roster of dead people almost. And just see see how many games you could lose. I mean, Buck has no choice. You're right. He's putting together the best roster possible, which is Crapola. And let's be serious here. We thought June was bad. <laughs> the three easiest games we had in August were versus Kansas City. We just got swept. We have Baltimore, the Cubs who are pushing for a playoff spot, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, which, like we said, we don't know if we're going to go on a run. St. Louis is uh, is teetering around the terrible as well. Atlanta again, the Angels, and then t- Texas. I mean, you legit realistically, you have s- between Pittsburgh and St. Louis seven possible games to win. This team is so bad. But is that good? Like, are you on the page of you know what? Just lose all these games, tank to the bottom, so that they can pick sixth instead of eighteenth. It's going to make my life a little bit better because I have rooting interest again in the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rooting the other way. <laughs> I, I'm not there yet in the middle of August or early August to be rooting against them, but I fully acknowledge they are better off finishing in the bottom six. Like it's, It'd be ignorant for me to say, ah, it doesn't matter. No, it does. Obviously, you can find a great player at 17 and screw up at six. We all know that, and that's the case in any NFL draft or any NBA draft and obviously in the MLB draft, but you always want to be in the best position to succeed. And picking sixth is obviously better than picking 18th. There's no question. But I thought that was important information to have out there, so now we all know it. So now we all know that when you watch this team lose, at least in the back of your mind, you could say, well, there's a positive. Here's the positive. The positive is they're going to pick. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, let's get to Cohen. So Steve Cohen, the owner of the New York Mets, we've heard the reports about what he told Max Scherzer and what he told Justin Verlander and certainly the worry of, okay, well, how are you going to build a team next year? I don't think there's any doubt that these trades have improved the Mets farm system marketably, 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 whatever. It's two o'clock in the morning. We're recording this. I don't know words. Wait till the drunken episode. That's going to be real fun. But there's no doubt that this front office has improved the minor league system and that the 2027 New York Mets are in better position to succeed now after these trades than they were before. We all acknowledge that. But all of us also want to win next year. We have believed with Steve Cohen as owner that the Mets will have a chance to win every single season. So it was important to hear from Steve Cohen. I appreciate that Steve Cohen at least talks to us as fans somewhat frequently. You look at the other owners in this town, we're lucky to hear from them once a year, let alone multiple times a year. Steve had the press conference, I guess, a month ago or a few weeks ago when things were going bad. Now he had another one. He was in the Met dugout in Kansas City answering a bunch of questions. So here's what we're going to do. Here's the audio of everything he said, or at least most of what he said. And as he says something debatable, or for us to kind of interpret, we're going to pause it and we're going to analyze it. So if you haven't heard what Steve had to say, you're about to hear it. And we're going to all break it down together. So ladies and gentlemen, the owner of the New York Mets, Steve Cohen. Actually, I just spoke to some individual players that went around the clubhouse. Yeah, listen, they're, you know, they're people just want to, you know, check in, see how they're feeling, you know, and everyone assured me they're going to play hard and, you know, give it their best, and that's all you can ask for. At some point, you look and say, we have to go win two-thirds of our games, and we had shown no consistency along the way, so you really have to take a stretch to, to, to believe that something would change now, Okay. It's really a, more of a time constraint. If this was early in the season, it would have been different. But with 58 games and things would have had to change, I saw no indication that things were changing enough to uh, make me think that, um, you know, the course we took, uh, I, that was the pro- we, I believe was the proper course. Now, nobody listens to me. You know, I, we had a press conference, right? And I kind of said it. But no one listens. And so I'm not saying, you know, you, like, so I, I, actually I'm su- surprised you'd be surprised. Because I said, what did I say? I said I wanted sustainability. You know, that, you know, if, if we were in the same position, I wasn't going to add. And um, so, you know, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm, I'm a I'm, you know, when you look at the probabilities, you know, we, we were like 15% and other teams were getting better. And so you have to take the odds down from that. And so, you know, if you're going to have a 12% chance of winning, get it, and winning, just getting into the playoffs, that's a pretty crummy odds. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be betting uh, any money on that. All no, right, time out right now. So okay? one thing time. he was saying was, basically, I told you. I told you guys. Were, were you listening? He did. But what I would say to you, Steve, is that we still needed to see it. Like, you know what I mean? When you said, and I understood it, hey, if we don't improve, not only are we not going to buy, yeah, I'll consider blowing it up, which is essentially what he did say a month ago. I don't think any of us really thought, A, you'd be able to get that much back for Verlander and Scherzer, 
but then B, that it would actually happen. Sometimes you hear about things, you talk about things, but you don't really believe it until you see it. And I think when he met the media a month ago, I believed him that, hey, if we're not improving, I'm not going to go buy a bunch of players. I'm not going to double down on this issue. And that's not something I ever suggested. My game plan a week and a half ago was more being half in, was a half in mentality. I was more of, all right, I'm going to hold on to Scherzer and Verlander and Robertson. I'll certainly sell off a Tommy Pham and a Mark Canna. And I'm going to try to get younger. I'm also kind of keeping myself set just in case I get hot. I was in with a half in, half out approach, which Steve Cohen was not into. It was, hey, our odds are 12%. I'm not doing that. If we're not making it, I'm blowing the whole damn thing up. But he is right when he said, I kind of told you, which he sort of did. He was open when he was asked about it over a month ago. Would this team actually sell? I just don't think any of us thought they were going to be able to do it, even with using money as a weapon, and then be that they would actually do it. (laughs) And obviously he did, and they did. All right, let's roll some more on uh, Steve Cohen. Go ahead. Hope's not a strategy. And so, now saying that, we we didn't have any idea what was possible at the deadline. And we weren't going to just do, do deals for the sake of doing deals. And um, But, you know, we thought, you know, we, we got a great return for, you know, what, you know, the, the people that we ended up trading. And, and uh, we weren't sure that was going to happen. I mean, I, I you know I would have I would have kept the players if if it turned out it was going to be a you know mediocre return. So um, you know that was the opportunity. It turned out that um, it's a moment in time where other clubs are, are thinking very short term, and I was thinking more intermediate long term. And so you know I was I was able to take advantage of that. I mean, I spoke to Max, I spoke to Justin, um, you know, I spoke to uh, David. You know, I uh, uh, want to reach out to Tommy, and and, um, and I will do that today. Um, you know, I, I genuinely like these guys, and, and you know, they played hard, and, and and we all had high hopes. And but as a leader, you're forced to make hard decisions. And and um, and you got to remember, Max and Justin, you know, they're in a different point in their career, and the idea of waiting around for you know. I still think 24 we're going to be competitive. But Max asked me straight, he goes, are you going to be all in a free agency next year? And I couldn't give him that promise. doesn't mean we're not going to bring in free agents, but you know, may, may not be to the extent that we did in the past because I'm carrying a lot of dead money. But you know, if I, if I pick getting rid of uh, you know, trading Justin and Max creates a, lot, creates a lot of dead money. And so, and I couldn't give him that assurance. And so, you know, he wants to win now. All right, time and out, time out. So this is really, really important stuff here because that line we're all going to try to psychoanalyze. He couldn't give him that assurance. Max Scherzer, who's a blunt guy, we learned that about him, calls up Steve Cohen and says, are we going to win next year? Are we going to go out and sign big free agents? First of all, the ball's on Max Scherzer. I mean, think about this. A part of why the Mets were even in this situation is him. And, and I hope he understands that. You know, so when you ask Steve Cohen, are we going to try to win next year? Well, are you going to be good? Like, are you going to be the Max Scherzer that the Mets paid for? Because remember at this moment, 
The trade that they made was David Robertson. They didn't trade anybody from this rotation. They traded David Robertson. And next year, Edwin Diaz is coming back. So you could conceivably say to Max, what's the big deal? Like, yeah, we're not going to be good this year. We definitely took a step back this year. But as far as next year is concerned, you're still on the roster. JV's still on the roster. And oh, by the way, Edwin Diaz is coming back. So in this moment, while Max is asking these questions to Steve Cohen, are you going to be aggressive in free agency? Well, he was aggressive in free agency, in getting your ass, in getting Verlander, in getting Senga. If you guys had performed and would perform at that level, he wouldn't need to be that aggressive in free agency. Keep that, keep that in mind. And I know I'm overanalyzing this, but we should all overanalyze it. What are our options here? Max Scherzer asks the owner at the moment when himself and Verlander are under contract and they've got four guys in their rotation locked up for 2024. Scherzer, Verlander, Senga, and Quintana. They're all there. And Max Max asks the owner, hey, you're going to be aggressive in free agency. Well, if everybody's still there, they they should have an aggressive offseason, but nothing crazy. They have a rotation that's already set. They've got a lineup that features most spots that are already set, too. You're getting Edwin Diaz back. I'm not trying to make the case that they weren't going to do anything, but they weren't going to need to be super aggressive. You see what I'm saying here? Obviously, now they'll need to be because they traded Scherzer in Verlander. So, you know what? Now, listen, we people go through this a lot with transition period, with with. It all stems from the top, right? So Steve Cohen buys this team, buys this organization, and he's trying to figure out the the ups and downs, the the inner workings of this place. He went, Billy Epler went, and they went and brought in a bunch of people. But sometimes, like you said, it's almost like, I don't want to say they were bad seed with Max Scherzer, but I'm thinking th- something didn't work this year. What wasn't working? You make a test. You get rid of Dave Robertson. How significant is is that towards, you're saying, the future of this team? Clearly significant enough where Max wanted out. Well, but th- that's crazy to me. David Robertson was a free agent at the end of the season. Like the Mets could have, and I, I said this on the last week, the Mets will probably re-sign David Robertson. They, I, I could see it. The Marlins certainly aren't. And he's not off to a good start with the Marlins, which is another story. So when Cohen tells Max, hey, I can't make you an assurance about aggressiveness and free agency. He's saying that to him while Max and Verlander are still there. Now, his answer about the dead money. He said, you know what? You may have to rewind it to just a little bit because I want to hear it again. But he did say, yeah, we're going to we're going to be active in free agency. We just may not be as active as we've been in the past. Let me hear that one more time because I wanted to touch on that whole You know, I couldn't make an assurance to Max when Max is asking about free agency. Meanwhile, you know, he's still on the roster. Verlander's still on the roster. I I genuinely like these guys. And, and, you know, they played hard, and and we all had high hopes. And But as a leader, you're forced to make hard decisions. And and, um, and you got to remember, Max and Justin, they're in a different point in their career. And the idea of waiting around for, you know, I still think 24 we're going to be competitive. But Max asked me straight, he goes, are you going to be all in a free agency next year? And I couldn't give him that promise. 
doesn't mean we're not going to bring in free agents, but you know, may, may not be to the extent that we did in the past. I'm carrying a lot of dead money. But you know, if I, if I if getting rid of uh, you know trading Justin and Max creates a lot creates a lot of dead money, and so and I couldn't give him that assurance. And so you know, he wants to win now. And if he felt like our odds were smaller than he originally thought, then he made his decision. You know, and Justin did too. And I respect that. How do you define competitive? I think, you know, we're going to be, I think the expectations were really high this year. And my guess is next year it will be a lot lower. But, I, you know, I can't speak to what's, you know, what's going to happen in the offseason. I mean, there may be opportunity. I'm opportunistic, okay? I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't want to roll a team out there that we're going to be embarrassed by. But, say, you know, I, but we also know that, you know, spending a fortune, you know, everyone says I spent a lot of money, and other teams did too. It doesn't guarantee you. Uh, a trip to the playoffs, and so I think we got to you know look and see what we need. Obviously, we're going to need starting pitching, and and we're going to have to, and that's the key thing. Other than that, you know, relief pitching is going to be you know, we, you know we got Edwin coming back, uh, you know Brooks is here, uh, Otto's here, um, we you know, we got our core right. They, they, they you know they, the baby Mets are going to be a year older. So, you know, I, I'm not as negative, okay? I mean, it, it won't be a, as, as star-studded team as it was, but, uh, you know, you know, star, stars don't necessarily make, make for wins. And, but I think we're going to be highly competitive. All right, stop it right there. Um, it, it still leads, because he, he's not going to tell us, well, these are the kinds of pitchers I'm going to go after. But it does lead back to the question I posed on the last Rico that we're not going to know about till the offseason. They are clearly going to add starters in free agency. He basically said it. They're not going to add much else, and they may not necessarily need to add much else. You know, they need to buy free agent starting pitchers between the younger players that have come up and the younger players that we hope will come up, like Ronnie Mauricio, even like Acuna, who could be a part of this team next year, and some of the prospects they added. They don't really need to be aggressive in free agency when it comes to position players. I I think we'd have to at least admit that. And bullpen-wise, they have a core of bullpen arms. It'd be nice to add an arm or two. But really, when it comes to spending in the offseason, it's pitching. It's starting pitching. He's going to do that. He wants the team to be competitive. He knows the rotation can be David Peterson, Tyler McGill, Jose Quintana, Kodai Senga. That's not going to happen. They're going to add starting pitching. What we don't know is which ones, and that matters. There is a huge difference between Julio Urias and Luis Severino on a one-year deal, or Alex Wood. It's a huge difference. Are they going to invest big in some of the starting pitching they go after? And he's not telling us. And I can't, based on that answer, tell you, because he he makes a comment like, I'm opportunistic. Now, that's the comment of a guy who's saying, I'm not going to rule anybody out. We get to free agency, and Julio Urias is available, and the Dodgers have signed Otani, and now maybe their eyes off the prize. Hey, I'll be opportunistic. I got a chance to get one of the better left-handed pitchers in baseball. So when he says that, to me, there's still that possibility that they can add a big-time arm. Now, are they going to go out and add Urias, Otani, Sonny Gray? Like, are those going to be the three starters they add? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. But they're going to buy starting pitching. 
He said they're opportunistic. They're going to be competitive. And look, comparing the expectations to this year, they had two Hall of Famers in their rotation. Even if they went out and made our dream acquisitions, and to me, the the dream acquisitions would be Otani and Urias, right? That would be, oh my God, those are my, put them at the top of the rotation with Sanga Quintana, let's go. Even if they added that, you could argue they're not a star studded because of the fact that the other two guys are going to go to the Hall of Fame and are two of the greatest pitchers of our era. So I think the door is still wide open. I don't think we have an answer. I didn't take anything Cohen said in that sequence of free agents. And we do have a lot of dead money, which he acknowledged, but they also saved some money because they're not paying Verlander and Scherzer the full deals. But then in the other breath, hey, I want to be competitive. Well, he knows if you want to be competitive, they have to add starting pitching. He said as much. So I would tell my fellow Met fan, if you're expecting them to add J.D. Martinez in free agency, don't expect it. Don't expect bats. But they're clearly going to add multiple starting pitchers. Okay, so let's break this down a a step further, okay? First of all, the conversation he had with Max is, I can't tell you what I'm going to do. What you have to do, which I've learned lately, is you tell people what they need to know. And you don't tell people what they don't need to know. You don't need to know that if you're here next year, maybe I don't go get somebody else. But if you're if you're not here next year, now I have room to get somebody else. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that. Well, be, be, because if, if Julio, you're, forget Otani. We always have to put Otani to the side. We'll get into him in a second. If Julio Urias is your number one target, which to me he would be outside of Otani to add a starting pitcher, was he ever going to be the number one target if Scherzer and Verlander were both here? Probably no. not. Probably not. I, I still would have dreamt that, but probably not. If they're both gone and now you need starting pitching, <laughs> signing Urias is different now with both of those guys gone. So I don't take it as you're just giving Max what he wants to hear to approve the trade, which I hear, by the way. I understand that point. I take it as, well, now things are different. These two guys are gone. I need starting pitching. So what I said to Max about free agency is now different because now I have a need for starting pitching that I probably didn't have as much of a week earlier. Also, the other thing that I love about Steve Cohen, since he's taken over, think about the biggest splashes that have taken place. The Lindor trade, the Max Scherzer deal. I think Verlander, we kind of figured because it was such a – waiting on Jacob deGrom. Yeah. We figured that was the move that he's going to make. The Sanga stuff. Like, those moves, 90% of the moves that they made, we didn't know until they made them. There was no rumors. There was no speculation that Francisco Lindor is going to be a Met. There was no speculation of really anything. Even the Carlos Correa stuff, when it, it came in last minute, it took it, it, it just happens. Right. So I don't think Steve Cohen lets anybody in on what he really plans on doing, even if it's the biggest thing in the world. And that being said, he do, and I heard this this morning, but I had the same feeling. Stugatz was on with, uh, with, with, with Gio, and he was on the same page as I was. I think Steve Cohen is so competitive when it comes down to money. If he wants something, he wants it. And he's not going to lose to it. And if he does, he doesn't want anybody to know that he lost. Right. No, I get that. I, that. That's why 
the Otani thing, I am still convinced they're going to go after him. Like, Otani is that guy that you're going to go at. You should go after. And I don't think Steve Cohen would not go after him. I think it's highly unlikely he comes here for a myriad of reasons that we don't need to get into. We'll probably do five podcasts about it during the offseason, I'm sure. But I think they're going to go after him. I think that any big market team would. But I also think they probably know deep down what we all know, which is it is a major, major long shot. It probably was always a long shot. It's probably more of a long shot now because Otani wants to win. And he doesn't have to know the intricacies of the Mets. I think he's going to look at the win-loss record and say, why would I go there? Now, I know their history now. Why would I go there? So I think they'll go after him. I just think it's very unlikely they're going to get him. Anyhow, let's hear more from Steve Cohen and everything he said the other day in Kansas City. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Listen, I mean, we 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 love Pete as a Met. Um, you know, he, he's an integral part of the Mets. Um, you know, he's still still with us for another year. Listen, we hope we work things out. I mean, even with Brandon, we work things out in free agency. So, you know, hopefully, we'll get a few shots at the apple and and try to figure it out. Do you intend to try to extend him before it gets to that point? I mean, you know, I don't want to talk about private conversations, but what I will say is, you know. Pete is a, is a great man. I think Billy did a phenomenal job. All right, time out. Let's get to this Alonzo stuff. Um, what I'd love to know is not what the offers are, not what the Mets are willing to give Pete, not what Pete's asking for. What I want to simply know is, have they ever talked? That's what I want to know. Have they ever had a conversation, the camp of Pete Alonzo and the New York Mets? Is there been conversations about a long-term deal because this feels very opposite of judge. And what I mean by that is I always got the impression with Aaron judge that he didn't have an interest in signing. Yeah. He wanted to go to free agency. That was the impression I always got. And the Yankees were making offers, but judge never was making an offer back because remember when the Yankees leaked out, Hey, we offered Aaron judge this. I would always say, well, did Aaron Judge ever ask for anything? Like, did Aaron Judge ever say, okay, I want this kind of contract? And and just because we never found out about it. And I asked Brian Cashman this directly uh, a few months ago, and he tiptoed it and said, I'm not going to get into these private conversations. But I always wondered, did Aaron Judge just want to get the free agency? Not that he wanted to leave the Yankees. He clearly didn't. But he wanted to test it. He wanted to taste it. He wanted to, you know, kind of test his market out there. 
And so I kind of get the opposite feel. Pete wants to be a Met. When we've done these comedy events with him, that's always one of my go-to questions in public or even privately. Like, you're going to sign a long-term deal? And Pete's answer is always the same. You got to talk to Steve Cohen. Almost as if, I'm in, but can you talk to Steve? And then, you know, maybe there'll be an offer and I'll say yes to it and I'll be here forever. So I would just love to know, and Steve's not going to answer it because he said, hey, it's private conversations, private conversations. Are you even offering anything to Pete? And if not, why? Because let me make this very, very clear. If for whatever reason, and I don't know the reason, they don't want Pete back, they don't want Pete on the team, then of course you trade him. Then you have to trade him. Then you're going to keep him for a year and let him leave as a free agent? That's stupid. Now, I don't want to trade him. I don't think it makes baseball sense. I've made that clear. But I also think you should try to lock him up. Because once you allow a guy to get to free agency, you run the risk that they're gone. The Mets came close to losing Brandon Nimmo. They did. They lost Jacob DeGrom. You know, you have to make sure a guy doesn't get to free agency. And coming off of a year in which Pete's going to put up big home run numbers, but his OPS and average are going to be down, I think it's fine if you're the Mets from your lab, uh, standpoint to say, hey, let's negotiate with Pete coming off of Pete's not best year of his career. And if you're Pete, who clearly wants to be a Met, and I've always gotten that impression from him, he's probably going to be open to it because even if he's not coming off of his best year, he still has a chance to get the bag now. He has a chance to get that security now. This is the perfect time to work out a deal in the offseason, and I hope they do. But I, I don't have any answer based on what Steve said because Steve gave you nothing. We love him. He's great. Yeah, we hope it works out. But he also opened the door to that. He may get to free agency, and we may have to sweat this out like we did with Brandon. If you if – you, like DeGrom, they clearly didn't – want that long-term deal with the group. Right. They want, they didn't mind going a short-term route. It's the only Brand- way they wanted him back was on a short-term deal. Right. I'm assuming that whoever wants Alonzo is going to want a long-term. They're not going to want a short-term. Am I, am I wrong about yeah, that? Yeah, no, it's a long-term deal with Pete. I think it's more about how much per year. What do you think? I mean, obviously his value in a year is going to change, but what do you think his value is right now? Would you think he can get like a $200 million contract? The weird thing about Pete is we've spent a lot of time talking about how he's disrespected with his war. And I wonder if that is going to lead to a disrespect in free agency that a lot of executives are going to look at him and say, well, you know, defensively, he's this, even though I disagree. And he brings this amount of wins per season, even though I disagree with the stat. And I wonder if his market is actually going to be very similar to the way he's viewed when you look at these analytics, when you look at specifically war. So maybe Alonzo doesn't get as much money as we think he deserves for a guy who's the best, most reliable slugger in Major League Baseball. So, like, And that's, that's the thing that bothers me just a bit. Like you see Lador. He came in, they traded for him, and we basically rolled the red carpet out and say, here, you're going to be a Met for life. We want you here forever. Here's a huge contract. Pete Alonso has done everything right. You're right. He definitely gets pushed aside as far as a superstar. Um, I don't know why he gets spit on as much as he does, and he's going to get hurt for it. 
And it's kind of annoying. Now, again, it's not my money. It's not my team. I just root for them. Right. It's 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 frustrating to see that Pete Alonso. We talk about history of the Mets, and the one thing Cohen has done is he's he's trying to highlight the history of the Mets and make it more like there is a story behind this team and this organization, and I want to be the one to build it even more. That's a great guy to build around. No, I think it is. <laughs> I don't think. From a baseball sense, it makes sense to move on from Pete, and obviously from an emotional sense, it makes no sense. So I'm fully in the camp of I I hope a contract extension is done during this offseason. The first thing I would do if I ran the Mets is I'd extend Pete Alonso, and I'd have this thing done, and I'd know going forward, all right, I got Alonso signed, I got Lindor signed, I got Nimmo signed, I have McNeil signed. I'm more open to dealing Jeff McNeil, even coming off a bad year. He probably has... I don't think he's his value's down. I don't like trading guys when their value's down, but I still think there would be enough teams in Major League Baseball that would look at his versatility and say, I'll give you something good for him. I think he's a more replaceable player. But I'd love to have my core just fully signed. Anyhow, let's hear the rest of Steve Cohen. Work working hard. Um, you know, I got a three year contract with Buck and we're we're only a year a year and a little over a half in. So um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're status quo. So fair to say you expect yeah. Buck to be back next year. Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't fully know, you know, anything's possible, but, you know, you know, I got a three-year contract with Buck, and, I, you know, we're, you know, Buck's, Buck's doing, working his ass up, doing a good job. Listen, I, I don't, I don't put it on Buck. You know, I, I put it on the players, right? <laughs> you know, I think, well, listen, I think we're hitting in some bad luck. I think, you know, some things that happened that were probably just the opposite of last year. It's kind of unfair to put it on the manager, okay? I mean, I think that's unfair. So, I know this is going to annoy some people because Buck did not have a good year this year. He is mostly right. It's on the players. That shouldn't exonerate Buck Showalter or Billy Epler for their failures this season. But ultimately, Max Scherzer, it's on him. Jeff McNeil, it's on him. Starling Marte, it's on him. And down and down the list. What I took from the Buck answer is that there's a chance he's back. But if David Stearns is running this team like we all expect, David Stearns is going to get the decision. And if David Stearns wants to go with his own guy, whether it's Craig Council or it's a younger manager, then David Stearns is going to bring in his own guy. It would, it would be so typical for Buck if he manages the final year of his deal with a transition Met team. And then the following year, when the expectations are raised, He's gone (laughs) and someone else gets to win like pretty much happened everywhere else throughout his major league career. I don't think he gave much of an answer on Buck. I don't. And I also just don't think it's, it's not my priority as a Met fan. If Buck's back or not back, we'll discuss it, but it's really the priority to me is really what the hell is this rotation going to look like next year? That's, that's the million dollar question. That's the question that we're all going to ask for the next three months. Four months, because none of us know. And that's going to determine what we're looking at in 2024 for the New York Mets. That's what we're talking about. Now, I got a lot of emails, and I apologize. I always feel bad because we got, like, tons of them, and we can't get to all of them. So we'll do our best. We'll read a few of them. And then we'll mix in some more during our drunk edition of Rico Bronia that we'll record Sunday night. Because what's better than drunken emails? That'll be a lot of fun. Jose Mercedes writes, 
Hopefully the Mets get David Stearns to be president of baseball operations. Stearns will take over this Mets team with plenty of assets, and I'm excited about our future. This is another reason why the moves at the deadline needed to happen. Now, I know Pete's a very important core player of the Mets, but if Pete Alonso thinks of himself as a $250 million player and the Mets are not able to extend Pete because they value Pete at, let's say, $200 million, should the Mets sign him at no cost or pivot to trade him? What are your thoughts? I don't believe in signing someone at no cost, obviously. You know, you can't just give a blank check. I think the only guy in baseball that deserves a blank check is Shohei Otani. What I would want to know is where, what are they asking for? What am I willing to give? If we're going to be $100 million apart, yes, that's a problem. If we're not that far apart, then you make a deal. You make a deal. I do think because of what I said earlier about Alonzo's value around baseball, that as risky as free agency is, if you get into a stare down with Pete and get to free agency, there's a chance you win that stare down. There's a chance that ultimately, because of his value as this homegrown Met and beloved Met, that the Mets will, even with their offer, kind of be above everybody else, that there isn't going to be a team that's going to match or defeat you. Uh, sir, I don't know how to pronounce this fellow's name, and I apologize. S-U-R-U-J-H. Sergey. I'm watching the third game versus the Royals from Germany, where I work. We're losing 3 nothing in the sixth, and I stopped watching to stream The Witcher. <laughs> what is The Witcher, by the way? I've never even heard of it. <laughs> Have you heard of it, Pete? I think it's a show on either Netflix or Prime or something like that. I've never watched it, but I, I, I believe it's a TV show series. Gotcha. Kind of thing. Carrasco is still pitching, and I'm surprised, but not even happy about it. Is there a word or term to describe my delusion in watching Stuart and Ortega falling down in the outfield? P.S. The Witcher was more entertaining than the game. <laughs> that's That's where we are, man. That's where we are. Jimmy writes, bottom of the seventh, deflated and perplexed. We all know the season's over, but after the trade deadline balk loss, this team looks lifeless again. I hope you get to see Nimmo return in Baltimore, maybe even Marte. They dismantled the pitching staff, but not the offense to the point where half the lineup are guys we never heard of, which he's right about. They didn't dismantle the lineup. They traded Cannon and Pham, and all of a sudden there's like five guys who you barely remember from spring training. Buck Showalter, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is historically known as a guy who comes in and changes the culture of a team and manages young players. He certainly explained New York to Lindor and is one manager of the year. I know Buck has probably gone at the end of the year, but I don't understand why their high-level prospects like Mauricio and anyone else who may vie for a position next year aren't with the team now to learn under Buck. Isn't that what he was hired for? Buck hasn't been as sharp this year, but the Mets' failure is due to player performance, period. It sounds like Steve Cohen. Has Met Brass lost faith in Buck and not trust him with any of the top prospects? I can't see what else Mauricio can do. Whatever work he needs, no one can sell me. He'll learn more in AAA versus being on a team managed by Buck Showalter on a roster that has star players in Lindor and Alonzo and a guy who hustles every day like Nimmo. And let the kids all mature together. If they want to build a young team, let them go through the pains together. And let us fans go through the pain at the same time, not staggered. I think what they believe he needs to learn and get better at is pitch selection and defense. 
That's, I think, what they want Mauricio to get better at. And at the end of the day, I'd rather see it at the major league level. I'd rather see it when the Mets are playing games against the Orioles as opposed to when the Syracuse Mets are playing a AAA team. But as of now, they don't want to do it. I think September 1st, we get them. I don't think this is something where we're not going to get them all year. But September 1st is three and a half weeks from now. That's a long time of watching Danny Mendick. That's a lot of Danny Mendick. A lot of it. Dan Figiani writes, it feels like Cohen's comments isolated Pete Alonzo. For somebody who should be here forever, he gave him a he gave him no hint of he's our guy, we'll figure out a way to keep him. The way Lindor and Nimmo talked about what was told to them about the direction of the team was heading. It's almost like they have Pete on the outside of their future plans instead of making locking him up a priority and building around them. I got it's a great point, Dan. I thought the same thing for a little bit that Nimmo and Lindor, it seemed, got a direct message from Steve Cohen spoke deep conversations about the future. And with Pete, it's almost, I'm a baseball player. I'm just focused. You know, I got my head on straight as if Pete is not having those conversations. Now, maybe that's Pete. Maybe Pete is such a baseball player that he's just focused on, you know, that day's game and he's not getting involved in these conversations. But yeah, it's, it's concerning. The Alonzo stuff is a little concerning. I, I, I have to admit. And that last one, otherwise this podcast is going to go on for three hours. And again, we appreciate the emails to RicoB at gmail.com. Lucas writes about Steve Cohen. God, I love this man. <laughs> Most fascinating admission is how he said that the new rules have turned baseball into a game for favored for younger, more athletic players and most exciting teams like the Reds and Orioles. They started this roster overhaul in 2021 before these rule change came into effect. It has been obvious that the pitch clock and pitch comma affected Max Dushi. Oh, he calls Max Max Dushi. <laughs> I like that. Steve acknowledged it has changed their way of thinking. They traded the overpaid geriatrics for youth, speed, and athleticism. Headlined by Acuna and Gilbert. I love it. And Cohen, we trust. Imagine if the Correa deal didn't fall through. Boy, oh boy. Can you imagine that? If, especially considering the year Correa's had. And not only the Correa deal, this is for you, Pete. Imagine if they got Trey Turner. Trey Turner has had an abysmal season in Philadelphia. Dropped to eight in the batting order. Give me, give me a shortstop that signed this past offseason and has been good. Well, not this past offseason, but if you go back a year, Corey Seager has been good in Texas when he's been healthy. Marcus sure. Simeon, even though he doesn't play shortstop, has been pretty good. But, no, you're right. I mean, Carlos Correa has been a massive disappointment. We mentioned Trey Turner has been a massive disappointment. I don't think Lindor has been that. I think Lindor has been clearly better despite the up-and-down date nature of his Met career. I still am not convinced that the pitch clock and pitch com is why Max has a 4 ERA. But I guess we'll never know. Now, he's 38 years old. That 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 could have something to do with it. It's certainly on the table. But yeah, the Mets have moved in a direction of being younger and more athletic. And in a couple of years, we'll get to see it at the major league level. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not, we're not there quite yet. Either way, we appreciate you listening and going through this rough, rough patch together as Met fans, as their season is now spiraling into irrelevance very, very quickly. But we'll be here. 
after every every Met series, throughout Met series, you never know. We'll pop in with an instant reaction once in a while. As we get you through the final two months of the very forgettable, but we'll never forget, 2023 Major League Baseball season. Email the pod to RicoB at gmail.com. I am going on vacation. I'm going to see the Mets down in Baltimore on Friday night, but we will have Rico's because I can bring my laptop with me and a microphone. So I ain't going anywhere. We won't have a vacation from the Rico's. Just a vacation from being on the fan for about a week and a half or so. Appreciate you listening. I'll see you in Baltimore if you're there. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>